and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond, and alongside, as ever, World Cup winning centre, Rachel Burford. How are you, Burf? What have you been up to? Been enjoying the sunshine? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Johnny, for asking. Yeah, had a nice weekend. We actually had um, training on Saturday, so it was nice to actually be doing a bit of rugby on a Saturday. It's been a long time since that ever happened. And what a wonderful place, because you're, you're, you're down at the Lensbury, aren't you? There's plenty of social media yeah, shots with ducks and swans and boats and rivers and all the rest of it coming out of Harlequin's players. Yeah, I mean, it is a pretty spectacular place to be training at the moment. The only negative thing is that there are mosquitoes around, so it's not all glam. Good stuff. So is training beginning to sort of ramp up? Yeah, well, this week we were all back in together, so full-team squad could train. When we say that, we're still, you know, very mindful when you stop between sessions or you go and get a drink, you keep social distancing, we have to wash the kit every... So all the guidelines are still in place, but we're just in a whole group now and we're able to to start piecing some patterns together and how, you know, actual 15-a-side rugby looks like again um, has been really nice. Um, to be able to get everybody together, to see everyone as well. That's the other thing. It's like you haven't seen everybody really because the kind of four or five weeks leading up to stage two and into kind of, I don't even know what stage this is called, but we're allowed full team training. You know, you, you're in your bubble, you're passing people, you're often off-site before the next group come in to avoid any kind of crossover. So it's just been really nice to have everybody together. Obviously, you really spoke about the beautiful setting at the Lensbury. Um, but yeah, it's just so great to, to get back to what may be, feel a little bit normal. Nice, great stuff. Who did you, out of your teammates, who did you miss the most not seeing? Um, who did I miss the most? Good question. One person's going to be really happy and you're going to get a lot of texts flying in saying, <laughs> why wasn't it me? Yeah, I know. Uh, I missed everybody. Oh, jeez. Um, Page 47 of the media handbook. Well done. <laughs> Straight elbow, right back at the bowler. Um, Do you know who I have missed seeing, actually, is um, Lange. Um, just because she's so easy to wind up, like have a good bit of banter with her every time so it's good to see her and I'm so excited to see her play she looks so sharp on the pitch she obviously had pretty much two years out um injured last season and the season before when she came and joined us um so I've, I've been really happy to be around her again Lang Tuima that's right yeah well it was some huge huge praise heaped on her when uh, she broke through to England the Red Roses score wasn't it and then as you say two two years out with injury but um Yes, by all accounts, and yours included, she has the full package. Yeah, she does, um, which is really exciting. And I think beforehand, um, you know, she's probably been quite laid back about her training and her ability. Um, and I think those two years out has made her so, so hungry. And she's working extremely hard off the pitch to make sure she's ready to fully go. Um she has this natural X-factor flair about her. You know, she's out the back door, she's flinging passes around, everything like that. Um, but now she's kind of honing in on some discipline around her skill set as well. So I'm really excited to see how she goes. What you're saying is you're making her boring. <laughs> no, I specifically said to her, we don't want to lose that flair of yours. But no, no, we've made a, but less skill, made a please, I can't I keep up. To, less skill, I can't keep up. I need you to follow through with your hands for the pass that she makes it. I don't need a backdoor pass at that point. 
No, slow things down. I can't keep up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Be very, very excited to, to see her back or back on the field, not only in the uh, in the quarters, um, but also uh, in the white of England. Yeah, the, the England squad getting back together today. I think they're meeting up tonight, uh, Bisham Abbey, um, for a little training camp. Um, they're back. We were back last week. Back with Sunter. Yeah, listen to that back. Ah, oh, just I could listen to her all day long. She's just, she's just wonderful, isn't she? Wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, and I tell you what is back, and it's probably the biggest news of the week, is we are hearing, we are hearing, not confirmed, we are hearing tenth of October as a start date for the Premier Fifteens. Apparently so. <laughs> No. That's what the the telegraph is telling us. Yeah, if 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 that is the case, birth, that's welcome news, isn't it? Yeah, I think for a number of reasons. Obviously, we, we want to get the game back and going. But at the end of October, there's a Six Nations game to win. So, you know, England rugby really want to get the league up and running to allow their players to play some rugby before, you know, trying to defend the, the Six Nations title. And then going into those two games against France as well. It looks like they're going to be a little bit of crossover uh, potentially between so those rerun Six Nations games and the Premier. That's going to spice things up a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think there's been so much rugby missed that it, it wouldn't be you know, ideal to stop playing club rugby during those international windows. Obviously, we're trying to squeeze things in um, so that the Six Nations in its whole can finish. It's not just England and Italy that have got fixtures. Um, other teams do as well. So I think, yeah, it, it then opens up, you know, the, the, the league even more. But just looking at all the signings that have been going on, this, this year's league is going to be really, really exciting to see how players go and how teams um, have transformed over this period. Yeah, yeah, it really is. We're, we're going to get into some uh, some news later on, and perhaps uh, yes, just have a little drill down on, on, on a couple of those squad. Yeah, a couple of clubs for me really, really impressing. But I, I was just going to say, birth, a little bit different for, um, for for you backs, but physically, mentally, if October the tenth is 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 the date, everyone going to be fit and ready? Yeah, look, I think I think what they've done is they've put a date in mind that they hope to that we are able to play in. And then they've worked back to ensure that everybody is fully ready by that time. Because what what clubs aren't going to do and the RFU aren't going to do is put any of their players um, into a position where they're not ready. So it's been really planned out thoroughly throughout lockdown about how the return would look, what needs to be completed before that game could happen. And, and I'd suspect, you know, let's say the 10th is what everybody's aiming for and and for some reason, we're not able to hit that because we've not done what we've needed to do off the pitch in time. Sorry, on the pitch, but outside of playing to be ready to play, then they would move it. They would adjust those dates because they won't want to put anybody in a position where they're not physically or mentally ready to play. Indeed, so. Indeed, so. Well, yeah, all fingers crossed that 10th of October is the date that the Premier 15s returns. Katie Savier here, General Manager of Women's Rugby at World Rugby, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Bring pretty much a farm girl now, Emily Scarrett, up at the, uh, the crack of dawn. So I had to catch her early on today as we enter the 12-month run-up to the next World Cup. Well, a very good morning to 
the world's best player, Emily Scarrett. Um, good morning to you, uh, Emily. Morning, how are you? Yes, very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I um, not that early for me, and not that early for you because um, I mean we'll just touch on lockdown um, if that's all right. But you spent most of the lockdown on on your parents' farm, is that right? Yeah, um, it's just obviously the way the world was. Um, farms was quite a good place to be in terms of lots of open space and not many people around. So yeah, I just tried to be over here as much as I could. Um, obviously, I built that gym that quite a lot of people saw on social media, um, and then yeah, just trying to be as helpful as possible. Really, I don't often get the chance to, so it was quite nice to spend a bit of time here and yeah, as I say, hopefully be a bit useful. <laughs> Oh, nice. I've got sort of images of, of Rocky Four. you sort of training with logs and sort of picking up corn for the chickens and that kind of stuff. Sort of natural uh, natural athlete strength and training. 100%. Every stereotype you can think of, it was uh, it was achieved for sure. Yes. Lovely. So now we put the dungarees down and we're back in kit. Um, no, look, in all seriousness, look, we, we spoke to, to uh, Sinta Sarah Hunter last week and she said just just how mentally refreshing that the break was because yeah yeah if we're honest um you know club and international rugby at your kind of level um it is fairly relentless how just as an overview of the lockdown how how positive has it been for you physically and mentally yeah it was it was really nice obviously it was very hard and tough in in other ways but actually you know we don't get kind of that sort of a break as probably Sarah said like that kind of mental switch off from rugby the contact break um from rugby just ever really um so I guess to have that forced upon you was um you just had to take it as what it was and and actually kind of um I guess enjoy what it was as well and and it was certainly a a mental reset you know spend for me a bit more time over here on the farm and with my family and things and just you know just doing different things and appreciate things slightly differently um but yeah definitely glad to be back to it but definitely um yeah I was pretty grateful for the break as well and we just touched on 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 lightning hit the ground running no 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 Katie to um I don't know who holds whose hand do you hold her hand or does she (laughs) hold your hand but that's that's not there anymore I think we'd both probably say opposite answers, wouldn't we? Naturally, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, yeah, different. Obviously, the the type of person and player that Katie is. Um, obviously, she she leaves a big hole in any squad. So, yeah, we're having to adjust. But we've got um, two new exciting tens, um, Lizzie Gordon and Helena Rowland, obviously from the seven. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting in terms of hopefully what we're going forward with whether we'll hit the ground running I suppose a little bit like all teams the, the proof will be in the pudding on that one but yeah it's, it's good to be back the girls are all really excited and you know the sun's still out at the moment so training's been been good fun so far well we're speaking uh early in the morning um on Monday and you're into England camp later on tonight if we can just yeah move on to to the, to the Red Roses um those fixtures announced that let's 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 talk about Italy, Italy next how important is is that Grand Slam um, scars, or is that just a really silly question? <laughs> Probably. You, well, I think you know the answer, don't you? Of course, it's, it's hugely important. Um, you know, the, the frustrations of not being able to, um, I guess, finish it off and attempt to finish it off by playing that last game back in March, whenever it was, was, you know, really evident. Um, and I think like, the girls still feel that. So, yeah, it's huge. You know, obviously, one, for us being back playing international rugby in the year that it is, but also... Yeah, hopefully to, to finish off the Six Nations in, in a way that we've always wanted to in terms of hopefully coming away with, with the title. Um, but yeah, as I say, you know, everyone's had a long break, so we need to get back to it and make sure that we kind of get things back up and running. But um, 
yeah, the the Six Nations and the Grand Slam kind of in a yearbook like this year is is, is really important. Obviously, twelve months out out from the to the World Cup now. Um, you were due to 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 play Black Ferns in Australia uh, back in the summer. Um, obviously, that that was cancelled. These back-to-back games against France, and, and, and all due respect to, to the Six Nations, probably on the France side in that competition ne- next year, but just how important are these back-to-back games against France now? Because they're pretty much the best opposition you'll, you'll face now between now and, and the World Cup. Yeah, they're, they're going to be really important. Um, as you say, we were meant to play the, the Kiwis in Australia, and obviously that isn't now happening, and I'm sure there's probably lots of other things that perhaps were meant to happen that, that won't be happening within this year. So, yeah, we've got to make sure that we take every opportunity that, that we get. Um, obviously, France is one of the toughest challenges that we come up against in any context. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And like all teams this year, it's about taking opportunities that you have, refining combos, making sure that things work, testing things out as well, making sure that you've got backup plans to, to situations if things go wrong. You know, we've all been through World Cup years before and it's, you know, people go about them differently, but it's making sure that you you know that come 12 months time, you've hopefully got everything in the locker that you need. So, yeah, really important to test against France um, and they'll be really tough as well. Just suspect you probably just keep running the lines off Amber, Amber Reed's shoulder um, for, for two sets of eighty minutes. But you, you you talk about that that World Cup and, and getting all your kind of ducks in a row and, and getting everything right. I mean, obviously you learn more this 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 week in England camp. But but you personally, how important is it is it now? Are you talking about the Six Nations and these these games in, in the autumn now as fine tuning the way that you play or? Is it is it about winning, getting a, a winning culture going, and saying right, we've got to win every single game between now and the World Cup because otherwise, yeah, we're going to come against stiffer opposition, and that and that mental toughness won't be there. Yeah, I think it's probably a mixture. Obviously, like you say, we'll we'll get a better judge once we've been into camp and we've probably set the scene for the year a little bit. But certainly from a, a personal point of view, I think it's definitely about super cliche, isn't it? But it's about us and our performances and making sure that we're you know, either trying things that we need to try or refining things that we need to refine and then I guess seeing what that looks like in terms of the outcome. But I think hopefully for for the most part we'd be reasonably confident that if you know we we apply ourselves in the right um areas and, you know, in the right direction and all that sort of stuff, then hopefully you know, certain results will look after themselves. But um yeah, I think there's there's definitely a balance, isn't there, between that winning culture but also um I think a few upsets along the way don't do you any harm in terms of a preparation for a World Cup year. They certainly can make you step back and look at things that perhaps you thought were going well and actually they're not. So um, I think whatever comes, we'll take it. We'll take it and hopefully make the best of it. But um, yes, yeah, some some important games coming up definitely. Because and just finally, Skaz, um, new new faces, new new, new coaches in there. Um, you've got the sevens girls coming back as well. How how? How does that change? How how exciting is it to potentially have, have those people people involved? Yeah, it's super cool. Really exciting. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be tough competition. You know, we've got a lot of lot of players coming back into the fold, certainly in the TP15s, and just you know more girls, more quality girls playing every week, um, which is going to be really exciting and you know they're all going to want to prove a point as much as we are so that that's going to be fun and in terms of an England point of view obviously we've got a couple of new coaching staff um SNC um and forwards coach so just looking forward to I guess getting to know them really more than anything and, and seeing what they're about but um 
the bits I've heard, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough, but it's going to be good. And you know, if if we want to get to where we want to get to, then we've all got to we've all got to buckle up and and be prepared for it. So yeah, hopefully it's an exciting twelve months ahead for us. Yeah, I, I caught up with. Uh... We saw Middleton last week. Yeah, I'd, I'd get a good night's sleep tonight if uh, if I were you. <laughs> um, Skaz, thank you so much as ever for your time. We'll, we'll leave you back to sowing seeds, driving the tractor, whatever it is before you, you get down to Bisham. But as ever, thank you so much for, for your time on the WRP. It's always an absolute treat to speak to you. Cheers, Johnny. Thank you. Go well in camp. Well, the news keeps coming thick and fast, Berth, internationally and club-wise. Must just say, yeah, we're recording Monday afternoon, the new little slot for our record for the, the WRP. So all of the news items are correct as of time of record. Let's start with one of the um, the new clubs in the uh, Premier 15s, Exeter. Uh, now, I've been hearing lots of bits and pieces uh, from them down there. But officially, um, in the last week, they've signed three USA internationals. All on one-year deals pending visa approval, of course. Gabby Caratorna, she's a fly half and centre. Jenny Duncan, the winger. And Kate Zachary, the current US captain. I wonder if Rob Kane has had a little bit of influence on that, the uh, the former Saracens boss, getting his players to come over and play in the best league in the world. No new signings at Worcester this week, but they have announced a new partnership with Hereford College. She's doing some really good work down there, isn't she, uh, Yappy? Um, Saracens, Hannah Bottomman has extended her stay at the club, as has Vicky Fleetwood, to major, major players... Resigning and committing to Saracens. And Loughborough Lightning has um, announced Lizzie Golden, who formerly played at Wasps, has now gone over to the, the Lightning side to replace Katie Daly McLean. And that nice partnership there with Helena Rowland will be brilliant. Yeah, big big boost to fill, aren't they, Katie Daly McLean? But uh, Lizzie Golden has got a good boot, and uh, Helena Rowland was, was hugely impressing in the 15s code before she obviously went over to seven. So. Be interesting to see, um, you know, as as Skaz has t- told us earlier in the pod, uh, those two. Be interesting to see um, her working with them. Uh, uh, Wasps, proper signings, some big ones as well. Ellie Boatman, friend of the pod, comes over from Richmond, as though does Roe Burnfield. Karis Williams, who you remember sort of moved away from rugby, the uh, former Loughborough Lightning and Red Roses centre. She's back in. Abby Burton, the sevens player. And Heather Kerr, of course, a regular in the Red Roses team. Those are some signings, proper statements of intent. For me, Berth, Roe Burnfield is absolutely perfect for Wasp in that front five or possibly front, front six. She gives absolutely everything to the cause and uh, she'll be very, very valuable to uh, Giselle Mather. Oh, 100%. Um, she, she will transform that that forward pack in what she does around the field. Let, like, Forget about set piece. I know it's really important, and she will add to that, but what she does around the park is unreal. Yeah, no, that's uh, some, some strong signings there. And if, if people don't know about sevens, Abby Burton, coming back into 15s, she's definitely one to uh, to look out for. And over the Irish Sea, a little bit of news from Connacht for you. Anne Hannigan has been uh, elected the first ever female president of Connacht Rugby. Huge congratulations to her. 
small steps being made all of the time. And on the other side of the world, in Australia, we're seeing some of the superstars from Sevens, Elliot Green and Charlotte Catholic, switching codes and moving over to Rugby League. Yeah, exciting stuff that is. Italy have announced tentative start date to their elite club leagues. Serie A on the 8th of November with uh, Serie B and C on the 15th and 22nd respectively. And over the bridge, over in Wales, the uh, 35-player squad has been announced. Sean Lillycrap remains as captain. One uncapped player, Laura Blean, uh, an experienced forwards, Carol Thomas and the lovely Shona Powell-Hughes, friend of the pod, comes back into the squad. Now, I know I spoke to Shona during lockdown. She's worked really, really hard. So it's great to see her back in the Welsh squad as well because they've taken some of that experience out, hadn't they? Um, so they've added a little bit more, but they've blooded a huge amount of players. Still haven't announced a permanent head coach. So Darren Edwards, who was the men's sevens coach, has been named as the interim head coach alongside Chris Horseman, Garrett Lewis and Gareth Wyatt. So, yes, he's been named in temporary charge or the WRU seeks for a permanent head coach. And we spoke about that, didn't we, before birth, about them advertising for this role, physios and analysts as well. I wonder whether the COVID situation has just put, put the brakes on that decision being made. Potentially. Um, I think it's it's quite pleasing to know that there's still the ambition is still there and they haven't you know, shut down any of their players who are playing sevens or fifteens. So I think the intent is still there. And yeah, it's it's a difficult time. I mean, we recruited at Harlequin the coach, you know, it's not it wasn't like your traditional interview. So I guess they're just doing the best that they can in this situation and perhaps because there's not much sevens going on with the men's that it allows Darren Edwards to come across and start doing some work because he's obviously a full time coach. It allows to have some of that continuity until they find the right person for the job. Yes, indeed. Uh, enough about squads and players and signings. To the actual action. Farah Palmer Cup continued at the weekend. Now, three rounds gone and a huge result rounded off uh, the weekend's competition. Counties Manukau beat Auckland 36-22. Counties scored 13 tries in their 85-10 win over Otago. In Lower Hutt, Wellington beat Hawke's Bay 67-17 and Taranaki came past North Harbour 32-29. That's a tight one. Chloe Sampson with an injury time score for that one. Kelly Brazes, Bay of Plenty, lost to Waikato 10-21 with our friend Stacey Flula on the score sheet when the Chiefs Country Cup in the process. Manawatu made light work of Tasman with an 88-0 victory in Palmerstone North. So Counties of Marcato setting the early pace in the North Pool, while Wellington and Canterbury are clear leaders in the South. And I'm absolutely loving this. But if I don't know about you, can't seem to find it live. Um, but hats off to Sky Sports in New Zealand. Uh, but also the Union, all, the, all over the social media. There's previews, there's matchups, there's stats, there's clips, there's scorers, there's halftime scores, there's team lists. All the rest of it. For me, other unions should take note and, and, and all bodes particularly well for the 2021 World Cup. Speaking of the World Cup, last week announced the Black Ferns will play their opening game of the competition at the iconic Eden Park. We're now 363 days out and the important dates for your diaries are as follows. The pool stages, 18th, 23rd and 28th of September. 
the quarterfinals on the 3rd of October with the semi-finals on the 9th and the finals on the 16th of October. You have been warned. Staying on World Cup news, nine qualified teams have confirmed they will avail of the unique Rugby World Cup 2021 coaching internship with six coaches already identified to participate, Fiji, New Zealand and Wales yet to announce. So yes, Canada have announced Maria Gallo, France, Céline Alimet, USA, Katie Daly, South Africa, Laurie Johannes, Australia, Inga Visser and England have announced Amy Turner, the uh, former Was Richmond and Harlequins player, seven-time Grand Slam winner. Amy earned 59 international caps and was a member of England's 2006 and 2010 World Cup squads. And it just so happens, Berth, that we've got her on the pod now. Amy Turner, thank you very, very much for joining us on the on the WRP. You are a busy busy lady um sorry there's no birth um she told me to lie and say she's coaching but she just didn't no no i'm joking she she is actually coaching um otherwise she would have been here to uh to do what i, I want to do as well it's just congratulate you um wholeheartedly on a, a fantastic appointment um where are the excitement levels right now um oh obviously i'm i'm super looking forward to coming in with the girls and seeing what you know, what the environment's like and how I can impact that um, amongst us, like, with the staff and players. So I'm excited, a little bit sort of nervous and apprehensive, as you know, which is natural, I think, going into something new and uh, which will have lots of dynamic, whether, you know, challenges and positives and learning and stuff. It's I'm looking forward to it. I am really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm currently at Penny Hill at the moment, just... Uh, planning the sessions for the next two days so it's it's exciting i'm excited to be involved oh, so you're literally right right there in it now i'm pacing up and down uh the pitch as we speak that's sensational right in amongst it um so so who, who have you been you were obviously working alongside some middleton today do, or do all the england coaches get together How, how's it worked in the last sort of well, because hours. of all the challenge, because of all the challenges we've we're facing medically around COVID nineteen, we've come in. All the staff have come in for a, a kind of like recce the day before camp, so we know what the one way systems look like. We know we're absolutely clear on the messaging around um, like the hygiene, um, all of that sort of making everything secure medically. We've had that brief and we've sort of had a dry run of it today as well as making sure our session plans meet meet the criteria to make everyone safe so it's uh it's it's definitely what you not the norm but at the same time it's been really good because it's been good to sort of get to know the the staff and i know i'm working alongside mids i, I you know i've i know mids and i briefly i think had a couple of sessions as a player with him as a, a coach coming in um but obviously working in the pathway I, i've got to know mids and scott well because they have a keen eye on you know talent coming through that that system so I, it, it's fine and it? it feels natural but um it's also you know there's lots to think about so it's 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 good it is good it's been a long day but i feel better for it Crossing, crossing some T's, dotting some I's. I mean, you, yeah, you, absolutely. You talk about the the pathway and, and coming through there. 
you could be talking about yourself, of course. So, for, in layman's terms, for, for our listeners, basically, World Rugby have said to all the World Cup teams, um, we're going to fund a coach to embed themselves in the in your senior women's side for the yearly to lead up to the World Cup, with a view to obviously spreading word about women's coaching and and, and improving the sort of numbers of women coaching at the, at the very top level. I mean, I think in the UK, we, we do pretty well, don't we? Especially in the, in the Premier 15s. But Amy, how, how did that all come come about for you? What was the application like? Did, did you apply? Was it CV? Did you have to run a session? How, how did it work? Um, well, I saw the launch that World Rugby did via Twitter. So I think that was that came out on a Thursday. Or, and I was just so happened to... Um, have a, a meeting booked with um, staff at the RFU, uh, and it was it was Nikki talking about some under twenties, and then on the call, uh, Mitch came on the call, um, so I was sort of taken aback. Oh, you know, why? I wonder why Mitch coming on the call. You're in trouble. He's obviously wanting to. Yeah, he wants to talk about perhaps some players um, in the R under twenties program. So I I kind of didn't think anything of it, and then sort of in the conversation um nikki sort of halted me and said look we're not going to talk under 20s we want to talk about this opportunity to come on board as an intern via this world rugby initiative um and i was just i just didn't expect it like i saw it one day on social media and the next day i'm being asked by you know mid to be a part of his senior coaching team and it was just really really genuinely unexpected I just hadn't crossed my mind it was a sort of early afternoon Friday call so I had the weekend obviously to mull it over but I you know I bit his hand off as soon as I could to say yes I know that um I've been doing some stuff with world rugby over this um lockdown period they've been really good with running CPD with female coaches within high performance roles um so I've been doing a lot of uh, online learning to make sure that I'm getting the best out of the time in lockdown and with all these restrictions that we've had over the last sort of six months. Um, and I think it's come from that list. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll sleep on that. Thanks. In, behind behind closed doors, go. Yes, come on. I can't believe I've been asked. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> you, you're, well, you're very very humble because I have to say when when, when I heard the announcement. Um, you're the first person I, I, I thought of. Well publicised, you work in the police, now you're a full-time yeah. coach. How, how challenging have you found and what are the different challenges of, of those, two, those two jobs? Well, they've, they've got similarities for sure, but at the same time, they're polar opposite. Like my work-life balance, doing a job where it's hard graft, you know, you're policing, you're speaking to people that don't want to speak to you, you're enforcing things... You're seeing, you know, general public at the worst and at their most vulnerable. It's it's really stressful, um, but also at the same time getting through, you know, those scenarios and and being proactive and and enforcing stuff to make everyone else safer is obviously a really exhilarating feeling. And I loved that part of my job, being a frontline police officer, you know, going out to calls working in a team in really stressful situations for me was was brilliant but it got to the point where early 30s still working on team and 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 but when I say team it's a response team and getting called to something that 
you know, a family issue. And it ended up me getting hit over the head with a, a pole uh, by an 18-year-old boy who was mad at his mum. And I just thought to myself, you know, I can't. I can't have my first ever concussion because a boy's mad at his mum and I've had to deal with it. So I, I kind of had an epiphany moment there and I took some time off from the police and went into uh, just a, a literally a sabbatical time and I did a bit of part-time work and played rugby and really enjoyed it. And then I thought, how am I going to go back into policing and not put myself in those positions? physically and mentally and I went into a, a different department did that for a year and I, I just found an office-based job hard it just made me question everything about whether I wanted to be still in the police in in a role like that and or if I wanted to go back to a bit more of an active frontline role so I did a bit of soul searching I knew I was coming up to the end of my career and Karen Finley at Harlequins was definitely an advocate of keeping me on her coaching team at the time so I, I was just in this real place where I didn't it was at a crossroads fate of timing this advert for performance pathway officer for the women's came out um and it was Alex Osterbury's job and he had moved to Saracens and I just thought you know I spoke to my other half about it and we had a lot of conversations and I I, I just did it I, it was a bit of a plunge Working as an assistant coach at Quinn's as well as working full time, I was doing like 70, 80 hour weeks and it just became tough. So to have a, a full time job coaching and, you know, love, love the game, love interacting with people that love the game. It was just so much more fulfilling. I just just, you know, absolutely loved it. And but it, it has made me reflect over the last couple of years of how challenging the police policing is, but also how rewarding at the same time. And. You know, I've definitely taken some life lessons from that part of my my career, and I'll definitely be putting it into bits and bobs with with coaching. Well, obviously, some of the, some of the forwards you're coaching won't, won't come at you with iron bars, or certainly, hopefully not. Um, Amy, I'm conscious of your time, and Mids is very strict about his dinner time. You've got to be in full black tie <laughs> and everything, <Yep>. so <laughs> you'll have to put your ball game. But just just two more questions, if you don't mind. Yeah. Why do you love coaching? Uh. I love the opportunity to create something positive for someone else. So if I can help a player on a pitch find something that works for them and makes them feel confident or better about what they do, there's nothing more rewarding. And then if you see them progress, you know, whether that's through pathway or progress into a, a senior team and they they take that into that environment. I've, I honestly feel like a proud parent. Um, that's definitely at pathway level with the players that I develop. Um, with senior level, you know, I work with Hackney men. Um, I look after their men's section there. And it's just the, the grind of talking with a bunch of people on a, with a common purpose and they want to be the best that they can be, whichever level. And they look for you... To, to steer them into that direction and I find it just really rewarding and the fact that people want to talk to you and want to engage is such a nice thing and I think coming from a, a, a job where you know you're having difficult conversations with people that don't want to talk to you and they'd rather run away than have a conversation um, 
you know, it flipped it on its head and it just made me really appreciate just human interaction in a positive way. And sport is positive and rugby is a game I love. So put that all together, it's just a heady mix of perfection. Wow. There's a sound bite if ever I heard one. Um, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking exactly the same with the bits of coaching I do. I think exactly the same. Just making people slightly better as players and, and possibly sometimes as human beings as well. My very, very last question is, um, your distinguished career yourself as a, as a player, starting as a, as, a, as a scrum half and a hooker, and yes, a very, very highly regarded player um, when you had the shirt on. You obviously played with some of the, the girls that are in the squad at the moment. How, you know, the, the, the likes of Kate Dane McLean, Sarah Hunter, Emmy Scout, I'm guessing, Marley, yeah. possibly Mo. Um, how difficult is that going to be with sort of having lined up with them uh, with the anthem and now with a whistle and, and, and clipboard in hand? Obviously, you don't have a clipboard in hand, but you know what I mean? It's one of those scenarios where I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. I will... I, you know, I respect those players as, you know, good people and intelligent people that know the game really well. So I'm not going to patronise them in that sense because I'm not a player, I'm on the staff. But if I can support them and work with them and, you know, give a, a little extra dynamic to the staffing group that gives them a little bit more as a playing group, then, you know, that's all I want. And these girls have known me for, you know a decade if not more and I think I wouldn't be talking out of turn to say that you know I think they have respect as respect for me as a player and you know as a a coach very much in the the start of her career or in that early stages of her career and I think um they'll be a hundred percent supportive I know when it got announced to the the players in in like an online zoom meeting I got some really nice sort of messages from players within that group saying congratulations great to have you on board so I think players are bought into it and I, I, I'm not phased that it's going to be perceived negatively and if it does get perceived negatively I'd like to think that someone would you know tell me how it is but I think I'm sort of well received across the board um, and just want the best for the girls that's ultimately an extra pair of hands that can get us to the World Cup in the best shape we can be to compete for the World Cup title, and that's what I want for the girls. Brilliant. Yeah, and it's that, that personal touch, which I, I've been told by lots of different sources and, and, and seen first firsthand uh, at various training sessions. That's your uh, one of your trump cards. So um, I'm sure you will ease into it. Look, I, I will let you get off and just say thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about it. A huge, huge success. Um, yeah, Berth and I were talking earlier today and, and, and know that you're going to be a, a great success um, and you will ease straight into the role. So... Um, very, very best of luck and um, no doubt we'll see you on the touchline very, very soon. Yeah, thanks, Johnny. And um, I love the pod, FYI. It's great. <laughs> oh, that's very, very kind of you. Thanks so much. Go no on. Worries. Take care. Go and get your ball gun on. Cheerio. Yeah, cheers. Bye, cheers. bye, bye. Bye, bye. I'm Sarah Hedonate and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So really, really nice to hear from uh, from Amy there, Berth. I know she's a lady that you know very, very well. Played many, many times in the white shirt with her, but also at Harlequins as well, when she was beginning to sort of take those early steps in the coaching in the coaching role. I know from a personal point of view, I've only ever heard incredible things about her as a player, but also from from Gary Street, 
World Cup winning coach, of course, he said, yeah, she's going to be some coach someday. Well, this is all just proving such. Yeah, I'm so delighted for Amy. Um, yeah, I've grown up playing with Amy and had a long career with her. And then she was obviously coaching at Quinns as well. And, and and to be honest, like her career ended quite, probably not in the way that she wanted to. She got injured um, and it took it out of her to, to be able to come back to the standard that she is known for. Um, and But then she threw herself straight into training. I mean, sorry, into coaching. And I think what Amy did, which is really testament to her hard work to get to this opportunity, this internship. She went away and she learned a trade. You know, she's been working with Hackney Men's Rugby Club for a number of years. She was also at Rosset Boston back. She obviously was coaching at Quinns. So this this opportunity has not been handed to her. She's worked really hard at learning how to, you know, transition from a player into a coach. And she did a lot of that learning at Quinns. Um, and so, yeah, I'm so, so pleased with her. And I think she is going to be such a brilliant asset for that England side. And I think for a number of reasons, obviously Amy has been there and done it as a player, understands the pressures, understand what comes with it. Um, but her rapport with players is so, so good. And and I witnessed this with the Quins in the, in the Harlequins um, setting, just her understanding and her support and that one-to-one support and kind of instilling confidence and belief and, and, also the technical and tactical side of things to the game as well. And I just think she's, you know, she's worked incredibly hard to get where she needs to get to in terms of a coaching point of view, but she brings such a a brilliant kind of human part to it, which some of those players in that England team will rely on her, you know, for that um, emotional support during the World Cup, but also kind of the technical and tactical side of things. And and she's a great laugh as well. And and you need people like that in, in World Cup camps can't wait to see how much of an impact she'll have on that team yeah absolutely and also we've just got to give credit here haven't we to, to world rugby I think that's absolutely fantastic initiative because yeah there there aren't many female coaches out there i mean yeah we're, we're blessed enough to, to have had many many of them on the pod which is almeida lisa burgess uh kim oliver of course is out there certain rachel burford does a bit of coaching as well would is there a please don't take anything away from from Amy because as you say I think absolute perfect candidate for this and and how exciting going going into camp uh, this week for her would there have been enough to choose from yeah I I think so what World Rugby set out um, over a year ago now was a high performance coaching group of women and they identified who's coaching, you know, at a high level, who has aspirations to coach at a high level. Let's get them together. Let's educate them. Let's support them. And then they've selected a pool from that player. And the likes of how I understand it works is the likes of, say, the RFU, Nikki Ponsford. She would have identified, you know, you've mentioned a number of them. You know, you think about our our Premier 15s. how many female coaches we have involved in that, that that's elite level in the in England so we have a big group of players to be able to select from you got the likes of Rocky Clark Tamara Taylor um, all on their level fours now which is unbelievable so there's been plenty of pool to choose from and what is it doing is exposing an experience that you just would never have get get the opportunity to so it's not saying you know at the end of this 12 months Amy's going to be ready to be an international head coach but what it's doing is giving her so much experience that she would never be able to get anywhere else and I think that's the thing is that they want to accelerate the learning and the experiences for our female coaches because the opportunities there aren't many 
that then allows us to to go after that achievement where they want a set amount of women to be head coaches of international size. I mean, we've only got, uh, was it France and um, Joe Holt from in Hong Kong who are leading international size? Well, we want more than that. And we're, we're now starting to see a strong group of women who are coaches that now get this added extra opportunity that are going to be coming through in the next five to ten years. Indeed, he show chapeau to uh, Katie Sadlier and to World Rugby. And, of course, huge congratulations to Amy. Lovely to have her on the pod. So we asked um, people to get in touch, and Sean Freeman's got in touch. And he says, Berth, this is one directly for you. I uh, would like to hear your views on women's premiership going forward with or without a sponsor. And thoughts on moving the women's Six Nations to a different time of the year. Will it help or hinder the game? Now, Sean, with all due respect, we have covered the moving of the women's Six Nations. Um, no doubt you've listened to all of our podcasts, but just forgotten that, that particular chat. So um, I would just invite you to, to go back and listen to the ones. I can't remember off the top of my head which one is. There's, there's been a few, but uh, around Six Nations time. Yeah, we did, we did have a, a chat about that also with, uh, with Ali Donnelly, I seem to remember as well. So um, would you like to answer the, the first part of this question? Certainly anyway, Berth. Women's Premiership Rugby yeah. going forward with or without a sponsor. Yeah, well... I think we, everybody will be in agreement. You want to have a title sponsor. Um, it puts some kind of backing behind the product and what it is. Um, and it's disappointing that there's not been an announcement or potentially there's not one in place as yet. I know, I do know that the RFU are working on it, but it's kind of like, you know, we all want to have something that backs us and backs the competition that we're being a part of because that makes other people look in and it makes people think, oh, maybe we'll be interested in sponsoring that or being a part of it. And then, you know, that's how you can um, encourage more growth. Um, but I think in terms of, I think every single club that is in the Premier 15s at the moment is well and truly invested in its women's side. We can always ask for more, as always, but there is a huge commitment from all those clubs. So I think in terms of what players are going to receive off the pitch and then what product you're going to see on the pitch won't be much different. But I think from a commercial side of things and for a, a growth of the game side of things, of course we're going to want to have a sponsor involved. Yeah, we did, we did an interview, didn't we, with uh, Mark Middlemas at uh, the Athlete Media Group and you know, he said to us, you know, what's the biggest thing that's going to change women's rugby? Because I just, I just I still don't understand why it, kind of, it hasn't exploded you know, in the ways that... Um, your cricket, your, your your football, netball has has done so. Um, I just think it's bravery, someone to go. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's something we, we've spoken about before. Do you know what? Look, you're not going to get a return. Look, let's be honest. But there's a moral obligation here. You know, for for someone to say, do you know what? I'm committed to that. You know, because some of these big companies, you know, and I found it firsthand with 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 a pod and, and trying to get some some collaboration and, and support. People are very, very happy to have an initial conversation. Then it goes very, very quiet when the sort of the money conversations come around. And some of these big organisations sponsor lots of men's stuff. Don't do the women's now. Is yeah. that an obligation of you know, Six Nations? For me, if I was running the Six Nations, right? Well, you've got to sponsor the men and the women at the same time. You, you can't do one or the other. Um, and I think there's a, there's a moral obligation here. Yes, it's a shame that that's not um, not been announced yet. But I, I, I think. 
from as you said, Bert, from a from a playing point of view, for you players, it makes absolutely no difference at all. But no. come on, someone, this is the fastest yeah. growing team sport in the country, bar none, bar none. Yeah, it is only going one way. Men's rugby participation, and very sadly, is going the other way. Get involved and now. And also, like you ask any every brand or sponsor I ever work with, they're always like, "We love working with women because we're so engaging and we're so for kind of the bigger picture and what it can do." And I just think there's just such an opportunity. And I think you're so right, Johnny. Like someone's just got to be brave and go. Do you know what? I'm going to invest in this because I care and because I think it's going somewhere. Yeah. And just go for it. Hundred just go for it. Be there at the beginning, and also as as you say. I mean, we're teaching to the, preaching the converted here, aren't we, with our pod listeners? But, you know, we've had over 70 guests. You tell me which guest wasn't engaging. You, you, you tell me which guest didn't just gave stock media answers every single question we gave them. None. Absolutely none. To a guest, everyone has been incredibly engaging. And that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love the women's game is because of that engagement. Yeah, unbelievable characters. Heather Fisher, Shauna Brown. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. Anyway, let's stop preaching. <laughs> let's stop preaching. Um, but what? But one more thing, because it's it's, it's it's annoying me now. Is that like how often do you like or people see a campaign or see something that's really good and go, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" and jumps on the bandwagon? Like this is this is exactly what can happen here. You can be the this whoever this sponsor could be could be the first to really kind of be the catalyst for the next level of women's rugby, and I think that's such a you know if I had a sitting on millions, then it would be such a kind of exciting opportunity to be a part of. And, and the, the the other Sorry. thing, yeah, you know, no, no, let's keep, keep going, let's keep going, because we're <laughs> not passionate you. about it at all, are we? Thank you, question, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you asked. Um, but the other thing is, is there's so many people, and and you know, we have to include ourselves in this, who do all this kind of stuff to keep the women's game kind of going, as it were, who do it all of their own, out of their own pocket, out of their own time. You know, whether it be, um, you know, Max doing his 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 his. Um, a women's elite club rugby website, you know, the women's rugby show us here. There's so many people out, out there and throughout grassroots rugby and whatever, willing to, to give so much time, effort and energy to the cause. All you need to do is tap into that. Anyway. Yeah. Look. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, we, we don't have an opinion on that cause we're not, not overly passionate about it, obviously. Um, anyway, um, there you are, Sean. Hopefully that's, that's answered your question. In full. Other shout outs then, uh, Berth, as we sort of round up this episode two of series two. Matthew George has uh, been in touch again. If you remember, he was uh, in touch sort of midway through lockdown where we were still uh, still popping the, the podcast out. Remember his 20 month old daughter, now Beatrice, she's been raising money for the NHS. It is still needed, of course, and uh, may be more the case as time moves on. But anyway, she's been collecting pebbles, bless her. Uh, she's now been officially commended in the Scottish Parliament, and the total currently stands at thirty-four thousand. Um, and she's had some brilliant um, good luck messages from the likes of Stephen Fry, Dame Judy Dench, all in support. So, if you fancy checking out uh, Beatrice's page, and it's Pebbles Four—that's the number 
nhs.co.uk. That's pebbles4nhs.co.uk. Word on Beatrice. Keep it going. And yeah, full compliments to you. And a shout out to Matt Merritt, who's a very good friend of ours of the pod. Thank you so much for all your kind words. Awesome to have the pod back. And who better than Sarah Hansen to kick it off this season? Thanks, Matt. Yeah, big love to uh, to you, Matt. Um, Richard Venn as well has been in touch. Um, yes, my Thursday mornings have just got more normal. Great to have you back. Yeah, lovely to uh, to hear from him. Emily Lyles sends a shout out to us. A very enjoyable episode and great to have you back. Thank you very much for your, your kind words, everyone. It really is good to, to be back. And my last shout out is for coffee. Or coffee. Uh, which is a Ugandan coffee blend. Uh, of each bag sold, three euros are donated to the NGO Rugby Tackling Life Programme in Uganda. That organisation chose rugby as its tool to empower young girls and young women uh, through the sport. So if you are a coffee drinker, and I suspect 95 of you listening are, drink coffee uh, and play rugby. Look out for her on Instagram and get your coffee ordered. It's it's fabulous coffee as well. Um, and you can shove it in your pods. Get those recyclable pods so you're not damaging the planet as well. And away you go. And the 15s Foundation, a foundation for women's empowerment and raising funds for the USA Women's Rugby 15s programme. Founded by Alicia Washington and Kirsty Stomer, they had a virtual event which raised $65,000. Fair play, absolutely tremendous amount raised there. And our last shout out, Beth, I thought we'd um, we'd reached every corner of the globe like a, a famous uh, lager brand. Um, with Nepal last week, Uzbekistan. We've got a follower in Uzbekistan. Hello and welcome to Uzbekistan rugby and the follower from there. That We really are... Reaching the parts of the world that other pods just simply cannot reach. Well, that's about it for this week. Um, please, please keep getting in touch with us with your news, your shout outs, any feedback, any questions you want us answered. And should probably rate and subscribe as well, shouldn't they, Berth? Absolutely. It really helps. So make sure you rate and subscribe so you don't miss anything. And also we've got an exciting competition and giveaway coming your way. Next week, we'll hear from the two new outfits of the Premier 15s and how their preparation is going and the challenges of building a strong squad from scratch. Yes, Katie Daly McLean's going to be on the pod. New mummy. We'll hear about, um, yes, what Sale are up to as well. And we're hoping, fingers crossed, to have Susie Appleby on the pod as well. So do tune in next week. But that's it for now. Huge thank you to our guest, Emily Scarrett. Uh, and to Amy Turner, all the best to the Red Roses going into camp this week. Good luck to you. Continue your preparations, Berth. Let's hope, all fingers crossed, that the 10th of October is the date that we can stick to. But until next week, Berth, stay safe and love and hugs. Until next time.